Going Linux episode 363, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinks at gmail.com and leave a message on our voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hey, Bill. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we've had so many things go on. I think if we started talking about them, we would end up taking up the whole podcast. So let's just skip that, shall we? Yeah, that would probably <laughs> be the best. I, I don't have any desire to revisit this past week, so. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, quite a few, um, pieces of listener feedback here. We've got a voicemail or a recorded file that Michael provided. We'll get to in a second and a lot of emails. So let's get into it. Okay. That sounds like a plan. Okay. So Michael provided us a recording, which he sent by email along with a note that said, hi, Larry and Bill. I have recorded the following file in Audacity, which is an inquiry about compiling the Fenrir screen reader for text consoles. Please note, this is my first attempt at using audacity and we'll play that now hello larry and bill this is mike weaver from west yorkshire in the uk running ubuntu mate 18.04 i think now ubuntu mate 18.04 works with a graphical console or the graphical terminal so if you type Alt F2 Mate dash terminal that will work that will with Orca and it will give you speech but uh, unfortunately it doesn't work with the, any of the text consoles so you have to use another screen reader there are a few screen readers there's one called Emacs Speak if you can use Emacs and you know it works there is also Speak up. Uh, I believe there's one called YSR, and there's uh, I think there's a new one called Fenry. So F-E-N-R-I-R. -I, I don't know if I'm getting these uh, names mixed up. Uh, I think you know. I think YSR. Is, I think it's, it means yet another screen reader. Now I don't know which ones are being worked on. Uh, I believe that Fenry, or yeah, Fenry. So F-E-N-R-I-R. Is a more up-to-date version of SpeakUp, as far, from what from what I've read. Now I haven't managed to get that working in Ubuntu Mate. Could anybody possibly help me uh, get it to work? Because uh, I don't know if it's been packaged incorrectly, and I've I've been in contact with the developer of Fenry, and I can't get it working at all. Well, thanks, uh, Michael. And the quality on the recording was just fine. So, uh, well done. Yeah, sounded good. Yeah. Okay, so and I had sent Michael a response. Um, after doing a little bit of research on Fenrir, and we'll include a link in the show notes, uh, the installation instructions on the Fenrir website says... Fenrir does not require installation. I'm pronouncing it Fenrir, even though he pronounced it Fenry, because I'm reading it the way it's spelled. Anyway, uh, it says Fenrir does not require installation. You can try it and make sure everything works before you decide to install. In this way, you can be sure that your system doesn't break or stop talking. For that, you can just grab the code and run in the foreground as root by typing at the terminal src slash Fenrir slash Fenrir. Or to run it in the background, type src slash Fenrir slash Fenrir dash daemon. And daemon is spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. 
So there you go. Um, you don't need to install it to try it out or even to run it. Um, and if you do install it, there are instructions on the website, uh, which we'll provide as part of the link to Fenrir in the show notes. Uh, there's a man pages site on ubuntu.com that talks about Fenrir and how it works. So, um, yeah, it's uh, pretty straightforward. And if you're using Ubuntu, it looks like it's in the um, repositories. Even easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so our next email comes from Michael, who also writes us with a link to an article about Slint uh, distribution. It goes, hi again. Here is the information for the Slint Linux distribution mentioned in my previous email or at least a blog post written by someone who knows about it and has used it. Hope this information helps yourself, Bill, and more importantly, other blind users wanting to use Linux as an alternative to Windows or Mac OS. Michael from oh, Home First UK, and we include the link in the show notes. So he continues in the first paragraph of his message writes, as some already know, my Linux distribution of choice is Slackware. However, it isn't an easy distro for visually impaired users to install. The, the Slackware installer isn't accessible unless the users have a hardware-based voice synthesizer. I, he writes, I don't have one, and most others probably also don't, which means they need sighted assistance to install it and then install the screen readers. Some visually impaired blog Visitors emailed me and showed interest on inst on installing Slackware, but they have no one to provide them sighted assistance to carry them through the installation process, and sadly, I can't help them. But now, this problem has a solution in the form of a Slackware-based Linux distribution called Slint. And Larry, I I like Slackware. I remember, I I run it for a little yeah. while, and. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard enough for, for a sighted uh, person to install this, so wow, it's good that they have Slint. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, the the links that Michael provides uh, and the person who emailed him, uh, and thanks for forwarding that email, Michael, um, uh, I think those links are going to be helpful if anyone out there is a blind computer user who wants to use Slackware and needs to have accessibility features um, looks like this is another opportunity for other people again yeah. thanks for bringing that to our attention um, thanks and uh, thanks for providing the links our next email is from David who told us why he does not upgrade Linux Mint and it's not what we thought thanks for addressing my question in listener feedback your explanatory answer and the humorous way you delivered it however to set the record straight there is a reason I don't do fresh installs, although I agree it's safer and preferable. Uh, years ago, I separated my home drive from my root drive, based on your recommendation and helpful guidance. Though not impossible, it is difficult to do a fresh install of Linux Mint under these circumstances, requiring lots of finagling to use a technical expression. Again, I can't say it often enough. You guys are great and your show and assistance are so much appreciated. As mentioned in my last note, you should at least not be out of pocket. Although I suggested adding an option to your donate button of monthly donations, a quick Google search I just did shows me that to do this via PayPal requires a premium or business account, which would itself up your expenses. Oh, well, perhaps a little non-obtrusive reminder every so often on the show would be helpful if your costs get unreasonable. Uh, I at least will try to remember every so often to throw a few shekels your way. Bestest, David. Well, thanks, David, and thanks for providing us with that um, non-obtrusive reminder every so often. <laughs> hey, what is the exchange rate for a shekel? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but thanks, David. Thanks, David. Um, our next email comes from Michael, who wrote uh, yet again, Hi, Larry and Bill. 
The Ubuntu Mate Software Boutique is inaccessible even in the latest Ubuntu Mate 18.10. The person you put me in contact with uh, went to the same blind school in Worcester mm -hmm. as me said that the software boutique is inaccessible and I can confirm this. All it says when you tab through the option is blind people have to install an alternative app store such as Synaptic to get around this issue, Michael in the UK. And uh, you know something like even though you're gonna laugh, we I don't get myself one of the first the only time i use the software boutique is to install synaptic because <laughs> i like <laughs> it. uh i i just i find that the boutique is more of a cura uh, curated uh software selections it I, is and, yes it is and so i like to be able to see everything and so one of the first things i do and i don't know why they don't install it by default to have have it where you know blind users can use it or other people that prefer it but Synaptic, it just, you know, when you click, say, you want a package of, uh, we'll say, Discord, it will say, by the way, you need this, 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 and this to make this mm -hmm. work and just automatically right. selects them. And uh, so I, I tend to use Synaptic 99% of the time. And But having a, uh, a software boutique uh, that is inaccessible to blind users is a big oversight in my book. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that the the team, Martin and his team, are uh, thinking about that issue and how to resolve it. They are redesigning not only the software boutique, but also oh, the welcome okay. screen. Um, but I, they haven't gotten to the accessibility of the software boutique yet that I can see. And uh, I did send a note in their Slack channel asking where we are with that. And I didn't really get an answer. I got an answer, but they didn't really answer that question. So I'm going to have to follow up again, I think, and find out what, uh, what the status is or what the schedule is. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's a bit of an oversight, especially since Ubuntu Mate provides so much blind support in other areas. Um, the, the website, as well as the online help, um, they provide information about if you want more than the curated selection of software that's in the boutique, you can use the boutique to install other software sources like Synaptic. You can also, of course, use the command line to install Synaptic, uh, sudo apt install Synaptic, S-Y-N-A-P-T-I-C. Uh, spelling that from memory, I had to make sure I didn't <laughs> didn't mess that one up. And um, yeah, so you can get it quite easily. And yes, it is accessible. But the right thing to do is to fix the software yeah. boutique so that it yeah. is accessible. I, I'm not trying to be you know Martin his team do a great job on a lot of areas, but uh, there's a flaw. Uh, you if a blind user wants to use Ubuntu Mate, why this is why I think it should be more. Uh, uh, higher on the list of things to address is mm -hmm. that if you do have a blind user and Synaptic is not installed by default or as another way to get software, then you need someone cited to actually go to the boutique and install it. So the simplest uh, workaround that I could think of, and I don't think it would add that much uh, to the image size is just to go ahead and include Synaptic along yeah. with the software boutique. And then the problem's addressed until you get, you know, it taken care of because Ubuntu is supposed to have, uh, encourage everybody, to, you know, computing for everybody. And, and so, you know, their official flavor of Ubuntu. So, you know, we need to encourage them to say, Hey, this is, legitimate problem that we need addressed uh, right. and and if they have other things that they're working on the simplest thing would be just to go ahead and have it where you can um yeah the people can use it until you get around to it that, and that's just my feelings i know it might not be everybody's feelings but it just seems like it, that would be the easiest workaround yeah it would be an easy workaround um i and i understand their desire to keep uh, Ubuntu Mate uh, distribution for new users that's easy to use for new users and yet gives you the power that 
Ubuntu itself and other distributions give you by not limiting what you can install. Um, so by installing just the software boutique, they're providing essentially one of each kind of software. And, uh, you know, there's some exceptions to that where they yeah. provide multiple choices in the software boutique. But yeah, they, they provide the ability to install Synaptic. They provide the ability to install the Ubuntu Software Center, uh, and either one would be a good alternative if you haven't got the Software Center fixed yet for accessibility. So, yeah, with th with that in mind, we're we're not going to stop recommending Ubuntu Mate. We're not going to no, stop no. recommending it for blind users, but now at least we're aware that the boutique the software boutique that comes pre-installed with ubuntu mate is not uh, is not currently accessible and we're hoping that our comments and others will prompt you know an upgrade to that particular application to make it accessible yeah i know they're they're going to address it it's just oh know, they will uh, i'm sure yeah i have no doubt that they will address it but it's you know it, it is a small team so i know they have to prioritize what they're working on but that just seems like yep. the easiest way to do it anyway yeah exactly okay uh so let's move on to our next email which is from skip He's a blogger who provided a gracious mention of my book and provides an application that fits in our Run Your Business on Linux episodes. And we included um, that in our last episode, that particular software. So here's Skip's email. Hi, Larry and Bill. I'm a longtime listener and Linux user. I actually launched my own blog recently to help self-employed, non-technical professionals Move to Linux and Ubuntu Mate in particular. Huh, that fits exactly with our, our podcast episodes. Um, I actually referenced the podcast and Larry's book in a recent post, and he has a link to that post uh, at his blog, which is cvillefoss.blog. We'll have a link to his blog post in the show notes. Also, in your last listener feedback episode, you were discussing accounting software options for Linux. Personally, I use a command line accounting tool called HLedger that does a terrific job. I actually plan to do a series of blog posts next month about it. Anyhow, keep up the great work, Skip. And he signs um, his email with blog, ghostwriting, and legal content services. And his blog, like I said, is at cvillefoss.blog. Cvillefoss is spelled... C-V-I-L-L-E-F-O-S-S -S dot blog. There you go. Right. Thanks for the email. Thanks for the suggestion, Skip. And uh, um, thanks for the mention of the book and the po uh, podcast on your um, on your blog. We really appreciate that. Yes. Uh, nothing like a little bit of free publicity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so our next email comes from Roger, and he sends greetings from down under and he says hi larry and bill greetings from australia i come across your podcast while looking for anything linux i'm facing an impending but highly reluctant upgrade to windows 10 next year when our old but perfectly good domestic windows 7 machines are no longer supported by microsoft gee thanks redmond I tried wrestling with Linux, I think it was Mandrake, about 13 years ago. Had a lot of fun, but couldn't get my printers to work properly with cups. Okay, they were wind printers, he writes. But it seems that a lot has changed in that time, so Linux is back in contention. I found your relaxed delivery most relaxing and refreshing. And unlike one listener who vented his spleen on episode 358... I'm quite happy to keep listening. Mr. Spleen Venter, I'm sure you guys know who I'm referring to, said he was listening to episode 353 and stopped at 20 minutes. I listened to it myself a second time and could only wonder if there were two episodes numbered 353. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of parallel universe. Hmm. I had no problems with it at any rate. A quick question before I go. Bill, are you a ham radio enthusiast? I, I couldn't help noticing that you always sign off with 73. Anyway, my best wishes and keep up the good work. Kind regards, Roger. 
So I responded to Roger in email and did tell him that yes, I was a ham. And uh, of course, uh, our unofficial official mascot bear sent. I had to send it twice because he hit. He jumped up and wanted to be petted, and he hit the send button. So he got like three lines before I had to retype <laughs> it. <laughs> and I oh, said, thanks, I'm bear. sorry. Thanks, Bear. So um, he, he got a good kick out of it, and he replied to me saying, yeah, that's fine. You know, he hadn't trained his uh, his uh, dog to do that yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bear does what he wants. Anyway, I guess he's running uh, Linux uh, at home or maybe business. If he's running um, – Business, I think that Microsoft does offer some ex- uh, another year of support that you can pay for. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I wanted to be totally upfront about that, so you sure. can look in, look into that. Now, it's not available for home users, as far as I know. As far as um, printers, printers have come a long way. They can still be problematic, but I think we both have had good luck with HP. I'm running an HP OfficeJet 3830. And cups works fine with it. It prints, it scans the whole thing. So, and yeah, that's so, the same model I'm running, Bill. Oh, okay. So yeah, yep. it seems it seems to work just fine. Uh, I remember back in the day, there was two things that would seem to always get people, and they're not much of a thing anymore. Is uh, wind modems that you actually had to have Windows, the, and then they had ones that the printers that wouldn't work with anything. But uh, Windows, I know some people had managed to work around, but it was like you had to do a lot of of voodoo to get them to work. Nowadays, it seems like it's pretty much uh, click, 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 you're done. Uh, Sometimes with HP, you have to tell it – sometimes you have to play a little bit. Um, But if I remember correctly, when I installed my uh, OfficeJet, it was three buttons and it was working. If you're plugging it in by USB, it's just plug it in and it starts working. It recognizes it, installs the right driver, and away you go. They've come a long way with that. Uh, but um, I can understand his feelings. And Mandrake, wow, that that is a long time ago. I remember playing with it, and it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun. But uh, hey, Roger, what I want, uh, I am curious. I'm going to ask you a question, and maybe you can write in and tell me what uh, distributions you're looking at, and because. Uh, it seems like the Ubuntu-based ones seem to work very well um, uh, with the HP printers, but that could be just my opinion. But, yeah, let us know what ones you're looking at. Maybe we can uh, 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 offer you a suggestion. Uh, I would say – and we might as well offer them now. Uh, I would say <laughs> if, uh, Ubuntu Mate, and if you want something more Windows, uh, look at Linux Mint. Uh, those mm-hmm. are – the Ubuntu Mate is a like the old uh, GNOME what two right the old GNOME two point whatever it was six or it may it looks very much like it. They have a number of different uh, settings that you can That's choose right. in their, their that. panel that lets you switch between a Windows look and the GNOME two look and uh, you know um, you can make it look like a Mac and. You know, not identical, but I mean, the, the panel layouts are the same or similar and that sort of thing. So yeah. they've got some easy selections, like one uh, yeah. one button selections that don't require a reboot. And it's it's pretty easy to switch it around in, in Ubuntu Mate. The Linux Mint Cinnamon, which is mm-hmm. my, what I run, uh, yep. is very, very uh, familiar. If you, if you look at mm-hmm. it, you wouldn't have any problems. It's, you know, you, the... Looks very much like the old uh, 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 Windows. It looks like a lot like Windows, but it's kind of a hybrid. But you'll see what I mean. Go take. There's you could do a search for them. But yeah, either those, either one of those two are seem to work really well, and uh, just depends on who's using it and what they're comfortable with. So yeah, you're right. I forgot that you could change the layout with uh, Ubuntu Mate because I think they have uh, they have the um, they also have another one. Um, they, I think they even have a, a simon looking like one, or it might be. Yeah, a, yeah, a, one of, yeah they yeah. they have a panel layout that's yeah, <laughs> just like uh, cinnamon. Oh, okay. <laughs> in a lot well, of ways, that, in, that, in a lot works. of ways, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, there you go. All right, our next email is from Paul, who wrote about known audio issues on 
Discord. And Paul must have been listening to our podcast where we were having some problems with uh, audio issues on Discord. So, hi, Larry and Bill. Thank you for all your support for the Linux community. I thought I'd give you a warning about trouble Linux users of Discord are experiencing. If you discover you have no audio on a Discord call or when testing audio, the tests will only work for about a second or two, and then your mic shuts off. The fix is to go to voice and video settings and turn noise suppression to off. Your audio will then be restored. It's a known problem in Discord for Linux, and a fix is being worked on. I spent a lot of time trying to figure a solution and then saw this forum post. This fix works for me. Maybe this can save you and Bill a little time and heartburn. We'll include a link to Paul's uh, suggested Discord post, and he signs off all the best, Paul, in North Texas. Thanks, Paul. I read Thanks, through Paul. it, and that was exactly the problem that I was having, and your suggestion fixed it, of course. So, again, thanks. I never had that problem. <laughs> yeah. It, on our last recording, um, one of the reasons I had to restart Discord is because that problem was occurring, and huh. I restarted Discord. It went away. But uh, now that we have this solution, I don't think we'll have that problem going forward. I'm just kind of curious if it's uh, the differences in the physical hardware of our machines. Mm, could be. Anyway, our next email comes from Mike, and he asks about printers for Mint. Hello, gentlemen. Oh, that's the first time we've been called that in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> what printers do you use and why? I have a small business that is starting to outgrow the all-in-one HP 4632 office jet printing about 10,000 pages a year in black and white. It has been a great printer, but the ink replacement is becoming a major expense. It seems paying more for a unit may save in the long term, but it would be helpful to know what printer would perform well with Linux Mint. You read my last email on air, and I thank you for being a great resource as a very new user. Bring on all things Linux, Mike. Uh, so, Mike, we, well, I just mentioned before, I use an uh, OfficeJet uh, 3830, and Larry uses the same one. Um, I would say and recommend you maybe look into what are, what are the ones, because he says he only prints in black and white. So what's the ones that just do black and white, but they're a lot more economical to use um, laser? Um, yeah, you can get black and white laser jet printers from HP, and yeah. they will work uh, almost without having to think about it, because HP really supports Linux very, very well. So uh, pretty much if you get a printer from HP, it's going to work with Linux. Um uh, with a couple of exceptions over the years that I have seen, some of the specialty photo printing ones in particular. But yeah, um, we had one of yeah. those too. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, though, if you stick with OfficeJet, they're going to work with Linux, whether you get a color laser or a black and white laser, or you continue to use the inkjet printers. Um, the inkjet, uh, just from HP, their more recent ones are a little more economical on ink. They're still mm -hmm. not as economical as they potentially could be, in my opinion. But um, if you want to save, if you're doing a lot of printing and you want to save on the consumable costs around your, your printing, generally speaking, laser and black and white laser is uh, the most economical way to go if you're doing a lot of printing. If you're not doing a lot of printing, you you're best to stick with the inkjets and the other manufacturers of printers will include a link Hopefully, I'll remember to put it in the show notes uh, to a site that you can use to determine whether your printer is compatible with Linux or not, or your potentially new printer is compatible with Linux or not. Uh, and there are some manufacturers out there that stubbornly refuse not to support Linux. Not exactly sure why, given that other manufacturers seem to find it just very yeah. easy to support Linux. Um, some, but you know, if, if you can find a Linux compatible printer, um, generally speaking, the driver for the printer will be already included in the Linux kernel. So you don't have to install anything, uh, for others. If it's a brand new printer that has been released since the last release of the Linux kernel that included printer driver updates, uh, 
and the driver's not there, then uh, you can check the printer manufacturer's site to see if there's a driver there that will help you uh, and is downloadable and is specifically designed for Linux. And failing that, um, it may be what the site we're referring to calls a paperweight. In other words, <laughs> it's not supported by Linux and it likely never will be. So yeah, I just uh, use you got to kind of watch out then. for those. Yeah, yeah. And if it's a brand new one, yeah, you might want to consider giving it to somebody who's or selling it to somebody who's using Windows. Cause you don't give that. anything to Windows users. Come on now. <laughs> got to get your money back. Yeah, there you go. Um, so anyway, uh, HP is our first recommendation for yes. printer manufacturers, and there are, there are a number of them out there that uh, do support Linux very well. And just check the check Linux compatibility. If you if you don't want to necessarily go directly to the website that we're going to link to, uh, just do a search on the internet for Linux compatible printers and the name or model number of your printer and that should give you whether or not it's going to work. All right. Okay. Juan expresses much gratitude. Larry, Bill, greetings. I love your podcast. I have been a casual Linux user for about, well, 18 years or so. I say casual as I have not had a full Linux install on any of my Macs. I have been using Apple since the Apple II back in high school. I have a Mac Pro cheese grater, a Mac Pro a MacBook, and an old Macintosh Plus. I sense a pattern here, Warren. Uh, until recently, I had been dual-booting Ubuntu in my old MacBook Pro, and just this past year, I did a complete wipe and install of Ubuntu Budgie, that unit being on its last legs and not being able to support 64-bit led me to purchase an Acer Aspire, my first ever PC. I was dual booting with Windows 10 only because I needed some software that was not available on Linux. That lasted about a month. Warning, rant ahead. I effing hate <laughs> Windows and always have. Just having to deal with the worst OS ever, even occasionally at work, is bad enough. It has aesthetically horrid, vastly unsecure, although Vomitous in its poor execution of file management. Tell us how you really feel. It works against you more often than with you and provides a vacuous and inane user experience each and every time. Pure crap. So, I did a full install of Kubuntu 18.1, wiping Windows 10 from my Aspire and ridding the whole of the universe from at least one more installation of cyber crap. I have been enjoying my new Linux laptop with much fervor. However, recently I have had to reinstall Kubuntu twice after I lost the ability to log in via SDDM. I must note that both times I experienced this was after I did a removal slash purge of the XFCE Cinnamon and Mate desktop environments, which I had installed one night during a bout of insomnia. I must assume that somewhere during the removal process that the SDDM was removed as well. All I would be greeted with after a reboot would be a blank screen and a cursor. However, I was able to reinstall from my trusty USB stick. Anyway, not sure if this was a question type of email or merely praise for inspiring me to dive headlong into Linux. Your show is informative and entertaining, and I listen almost daily, catching up in my car via the TuneIn app, and on my Kubuntu laptop on Clementine. That's it, Juan. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> a little salty language that I uh, uh, edited out for uh, family-friendly yes. purposes. But yeah, um, <laughs> yours is not the only rant we've heard of similar vein, uh, Juan. No. So uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for sharing. And sorry you have been... Uh, uh, subjected after all those years of Macintosh uh, and Mac OS and all the other things, Apple, uh, that you decided to switch over to Linux and had such a tough experience. 
Yes, <laughs> sounds like he's had a few issues. I did enjoy his salty language, <laughs> but <laughs> we can't we can't say that because uh, we are family friendly. But I think everybody got the idea of his frustration, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, I. I particularly enjoyed what he, when he called his Mac Pro the cheese grater because yep. uh, I, I like that case, but it does look like a cheese grater from the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's I've what... heard it described that way as well. So thanks, Juan, and thanks for sharing. Thanks. And thanks. congratulations on your move to uh, to Linux and the fact that you've been using it for so long in a in, in a dual boot situation on your Mac is uh, is is inspiring as well. So thanks. Yes. So our next email comes from Daniel, and he has a question on security patches. I read an article about systemd and downloading patches for Linux. I have Ubuntu Mate. How may one make sure the system has all the patches? Uh, that's That should be fairly easy. Um, you can uh, do one of two things. You can wait till the system says, hey, you have updates. Do you want to apply them, or do you want to uh, postpone them? Uh, or you can actively go in and search for them. What I tend to do is I let the system tell me when there's updates. The, the way that you want to make sure that you get those notifications is to, there's usually a checkbox saying, let me know when there's updates to my system. And it's usually options like, let me know there's an update and I will install or automatically apply the updates to uh, the system down or I think what is it download and, and, and install or something I think you still have to yeah. enter your your password sure but uh, yeah it will one will let you notify you there's updates and you can download them manually uh, by clicking the big button or it will download them and wait for you to give it permission to install the updates I think that's how it's where it works right um, exactly uh, the easiest is just have it where it uh, downloads and just waits for you and notifies you that there's updates and just do it that way. That way there's not, you're not going to miss anything. Um, I, I don't know about Larry, but I usually wait after I get a notification. Um, I usually wait a, a few days just to make sure that there's no problems with the updates, but I pretty, I apply them pretty quickly. So I don't know how you do it, Larry. Yeah, I have the automatic uh, setting set so that it will automatically download them and notify me when there's an update available. And that's the easiest way I find is just uh, install them when they're available and ready to go. Uh, if you want to wait like Bill does, that's fine as well. But the one thing you don't have to do on Linux is you don't have to go search the internet for updates for security patches. Regardless of what this article says, they come to you. Yes, updates come to you when they're ready to go, system D or otherwise. And like Bill just suggested, the easiest way to do that is through the software updater that's built into your Linux distribution. Just set it to automatically notify you when there's an update. That's the easiest way. Or if you want even more control, run that updater periodically, like once a week or even, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, and... Uh, just see if there are any updates through the updater. Don't go anywhere else. It's all provided to you by the Linux distribution. Nothing you need to do, but install them when they arrive. Okay, our next email is from Mike. He says he's loving Linux. Larry and Bill, I really enjoy listening to your show. I'd also like you to know that Linux has been there for me when Windows hasn't. I recently upgraded Windows 10, and after that update, Windows would not boot. Thankfully, I was able to restore Windows 10 using a backup program, VM, V-E-E-A-M. I haven't heard of that one, Bill. Uh, must be relatively new, I guess. But for the period of time that I didn't have access to Windows, Linux was available to me and my wife, and it just worked fine. Thanks for your show. I really enjoy learning new things about Linux. Mike. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, we've had we've had that happen a few times. Yeah, oh, I have. Um, it, it's a great way to continue to run your computer when Windows fails you. And be careful. I know you tried it out and you like it a little bit. Um, and you, you were just testing it until you could get Windows back up and running. Now that you've had a taste of Linux, it might just take over your life. So be careful, <sighs> Mike. 
Yes, be very <laughs> careful. Our next email comes from Heath, who wrote about Google Minus. <laughs> okay. I love that play on words. Anyway, Larry and Super Senior Chief Executive Minion. Wow. Okay. <laughs> on, <laughs> I had to take that in for a minute. Super Senior Chief Executive Minion. Wow. Okay. Uh, on the Google Plus front, I see a lot of groups moving to Telegram. The Ask Noah show is a very successful one on that platform. Heath, Deputy Underling Minion Australia. <laughs> we have a Deputy Underling now? Apparently. <laughs> Self-anointed. Uh, <laughs> thanks thanks for the uh, suggestion, Heath. Uh, we're going to move Heath. in a little different direction. We'll uh, mention that at the end of the show. And yes. uh, uh, in the meantime, let's go on to our last two emails here. NZ17 wrote, Thanks for the grand show. The only other thing which I could really ask for is, could you guys please synchronize your microphone volumes? When Larry laughs, it is super loud compared to when Bill talks. Aloha from Utah. Pedantic minion number one and <laughs> Z17. Okay, we have a pedantic minion uh, as well. And I think you're mixing your geographies there, NZ17. Aloha from Hawaii, uh, or hello from Utah, but I've never heard aloha from Utah, unless you're originally from Hawaii, I guess. Yeah, I think that might be the, that might be the case. But that, yeah, but uh, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. So, Larry, uh, we both record our sides of the conversation separately. Yes. And... Uh, we sync them. We start recording at the exact same time. And then I send mine uh, to you in AUG format. Yep. And then you, you put it in your Audacity and, you, of course, you sync them up perfectly. But then before you do anything else, you auto-level the yes. entire show. I do. So I'm not sure why my side is getting a little bit louder. Maybe I'm not laughing loud enough. Oh, that could be. So you need to laugh louder. Okay, I'll laugh louder. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks, NZ17. We'll t we'll just double check the volumes before we, you know, send this one out. Yeah. Our last email comes from Tony from the Mintcast, who wrote us requesting the value-added extras that Troy uses to install software onto Linux computers. His employer's company sells. He also commented, Hi, Larry, Bill. Hope you guys are doing well. I've been listening to your show for a few years and really enjoy it and love what you are doing. I have been involved in the Mintcast podcast for a few months now and have a new appreciation for the work you guys are doing. Tony W. Okay, Tony, here's a secret. Larry does most of the work. <laughs> Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the Mintcast guys—they've uh, gone through some changes to their hosts yes. yet again, which is which is a great way to continue a podcast uh, is to turn it over to the community, and they discuss this in recent episodes. And their community has taken over, and Tony is one of the new hosts, and sounds like he's new to podcasting, but they have done a fantastic job of. Uh, good quality voice uh, sound, uh, and they are using a mumble server to do the recording from what I understand, and that has improved a lot over the years. The last set of posts started off with a lot of inconsistency in sound, but as they worked through the mumble server issues they had and paid some attention to the volume and the quality of the sound, I think They've done a fantastic job, and this new crew has continued that and even improved it. So maybe, Bill, you and I need to take a note from the Mintcast folks about the quality of the sound. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks, Tony. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Tony. But uh, Larry, let's, let me just – let me blow your horn a little bit here. If you go back and listen a year ago – you will know it's always sound good. Larry always has been working on improving the sound quality. And if you listen to some of the first episodes compared to now, you'll notice the difference. And that's mainly because 
we've gotten new mics, new mixers, etc., etc. Uh, we've had several different uh, um, mic and software, Audacity's been updated. So as software and hardware gets better, we try to keep current or, or at least current-ish. And uh, there's always new tricks that we learn. And as you do podcasting more often, you learn new ways to make yourself sound better, uh, things to clean up. I mean, back a, a year ago, uh, Larry used to have to work really, really hard to clean up all my background noise. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hey. Hey, hey, hey. Anyway, <laughs> hey, just a fax. Uh, yeah, just, just a fax. But uh, he used to have to clean it up, and that kind of brought down the quality. But as I've moved and have gotten to a better place to record, it's not as prevalent. And uh, so, except for And you got a one. new mic as well. And I got a new mic, and I'm getting ready to upgrade again. Um, ah. Yeah. So that is uh it's just like an ongoing process you know once you start you don't ever seem to really stop you know you pick up a new piece here or whatever uh sometimes we find better software to use but audacity's pretty much been um the the gold standard it's been our standard since the beginning how long uh has this podcast been going on now what um this this podcast has been going for 12 years Okay. And I was podcasting for what, three years, three or four years, I think maybe three years before that. Okay. So uh, it's great that the Mintcast has, uh, you know, has been turned over to community and it's a lot of work, but Larry's been through, Larry's the only original member <laughs> of this podcast. So That's true. Because you've had, uh, the first one was, uh, what, what was his name? Surge. He had Surge. Yeah. And then you had Tom, right? Tom. Yeah. And then and then and you. Then, and then me. So Larry's the only original one, so he, he's been working a long time. Twelve years, wow. Yeah, so, back in the day we really <laughs> <laughs> So Larry yeah. works very really hard and, he, and we really try to do uh you know, we're not perfect and we always do try to do better. And uh I I did have a chance to listen to the, one of the a portion of the latest mint cast. Because uh, I listen to way too many podcasts during the week, um, but uh, they sound pretty good. They do. They they absolutely do. And uh, back back for a second on the going Linux co-host uh, situation, you uh, have lasted longer than either of the other two co-hosts. So I haven't worn you down yet. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that, Bill. You've you've been a steady companion for a large number of years. I appreciate that. You're doing a great so, job. So, uh, well, actually. Uh, I'm like I'm just like a tick. It's hard to get rid of me. But no, and Maybe I haven't it. annoyed him enough <laughs> to get for him to say, "Okay, we're done." So, but uh, the reason, uh, in no kidding, uh, not not kidding here. One of the reasons that uh, it, this podcast uh, it sounds as good as it does and comes out when it's supposed to, and we have a majority of the articles, is because Larry puts a lot of time and effort into it, and uh, he really does a great job so yeah well bill you you contribute a lot too so i appreciate that thank you don't, okay don't enough of this all love the fest here. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right all right uh and that wraps up our emails for this time uh the next episode will be our first in a series of back to basic episodes and i have yet to write that episode <laughs> Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. Usually I would give my part of this, but Larry mm -hmm. wants to make an announcement about what, what we're going to do about Google+. So Larry, it's all you. Yeah, so as you may be aware, our Google Plus community site, along with the rest of Google Plus, will go away sometime in April. And we are going to replace that. And we've had some discussion on the show here as to what we should use to replace it. And Bill and I have uh, given a lot of thought and tried out a few things. And what we're going to do, since the Discord uh, application and server that we have been using for communicating to one another and use it as kind of uh, a chat window as well as 
for communicating to one another uh, through audio. We, we don't use it to record, but we do use it to talk to one another uh, by audio as we're recording. Um, we're going to use Discord as our community site. Uh, another podcast that I know uses Discord is the MRP Tech Podcast. Uh, M-R-P-T-E-C-H, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, they have um, been using Discord for a while for their chat room, and it seems to work quite well for them. So we're going to try that out. If it doesn't work out for us, we will try something else. So more to follow. We don't have it all completely set up yet, but we'll post a note into Google+, Plus, hopefully before it goes away, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let you know where to go. And there'll be links on the website to connect to the, uh, to the discord, uh, chat room that we're going to have. So that's the direction we've decided to go. And like I said, if it doesn't work out, we can always change. Okay. So my part of this is I would like some of our many, many thousands, millions of minions. If you're interested in helping us test uh, this before it goes live, Send an email just stating that you're interested in helping, and uh, Larry will forward them to me, and I'll get back to you, uh, and then we'll, we'll coordinate. The one thing about the, uh, the text uh, area is it whatever you write is persistent, so you're able to uh, we're able to see what was written, and, and we can also jump in and. Uh, uh, text or voice chat with you if uh, we need to so if you're interested in helping us test this super secret new way of uh, communicating send an email to us and Larry will forward them to me and I'll get back to you so with that for now you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our going Linux podcast Google Plus community soon to be discord Okay, uh, until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at Podcast Themes dot com.